Okay. All right. So, Yinayim Hashem Elokeinu Aleinu. Let's go back to uh, learning Sefer Yeshua. We took a little bit of a break. We took a little bit of a break over. I don't even know when we when we took a break. We on Tovim even before that and so on. But something more to say for Yeshua. But the truth is that you know I was joking with uh, Rav Shlomo before that even when we're learning Sefer Yeshua, it's really just you know <laughs> it's just an excuse to talk about other things. So like in in, in the in the page that you have in front of you, there's no there's no Sefer Yeshua. You know what I'm saying? So okay, but you know, but uh, we do the best we can. Okay, so just to get back into Sefer Yeshua and see where where it takes us. So we're officially up to Perachas. The eighth, the eighth chapter of Sefer Yeshua. I'm going to give you a little bit of a, again, a reminder of the story of what we're up to until now, and a little bit of an overview of Perches, and then we'll see where it takes us. So again, Sefer Yeshua, again, as I said, just very, very quickly, Sefer Yeshua picks up where, where Chumash ends off. Maishu Abinu passes away, and Yeshua Benun is appointed as the next leader, and that's where Sefer Yeshua begins. Yeshua Benun is charged, charged with the mission and the task of bringing Kal Yisrael and Teret Yisrael, and so the first, uh, and that's the story of, of the beginning of Sefer Yeshua. Yeshua Benon rallying the troops, getting everyone ready, crossing the Jordan River, and then attacking and conquering the first city, which is the city of Yericho. Okay? And then after conquering Yericho, again, there's a lot of uh, sub-stories in Yonam over there, but after Yericho, the second city we went to conquer was the city of Ai, the city of Ai. Now, th- this is where we saw when we, the last time we learned Sefer Yeshua, Perak Vav and Perak Zion, the Jewish people had a very difficult time with the city of Ai. Because although with Yericho, everything was miraculous and just, you know, it was, it was extremely easy to conquer the city. It was all with miracles. But uh, as we saw, we're not going to go into this now, but, but just to remind us, when the Jewish people conquered Yericho, the Rabbani Shalom told Yeshua Benun that all the spoils of Yericho have to be untouched, they have to be dedicated to the Mishkan, to the Beis HaMikdash, and no individual person is allowed to have any benefit from the city of Yericho, okay? And the Jewish people kept that mitzvah, except for one person, Achan. Achan violated that, uh, that command, and he took some money and things and uh, you know, objects that he found in the, the city of Yericho, he took it for himself, and because of that, there was a terrible a weakness that the, that the Jewish people had in terms of their military ability, and they actually lost in the first battle against Ai. It's interesting, if you take a look at the Pesukim, Yeshua Benun was so confident, before realizing this issue of Achan, he was so confident in our ability to conquer Ai that he, he sent only a few soldiers. Imamish, uh, it wasn't with the whole, uh, the whole army, it was just a few people. And they, and, they, and they lost, and they lost. And so the Jewish people, so Yeshua Benun had to figure out what, what happened, what went wrong, and there was a whole thing. He set up a guerrilla system to figure out who did the Aver and was Achan. Okay, Achan was taken care of. And then the Jewish people are told by their banishment, okay, now, now you can you go, go back to fight Ai. And this is where this, the Paraches picks up. The Jewish people are now trying a second time to conquer the city of Ai. But here's the point. Yeshua Benon understood that although the Aveir of Achan was officially taken care of, Achan was punished, and the Jewish people are now clean, but the residual effect of that was still, was still there, and therefore he couldn't, Yeshua Benon felt that it was inappropriate to go fight I in a way of just like open miracles. And so this is the first time, if you think about it, the first time in all of Jewish history, on a national level, because again, we, we started our, our nationhood with Yitzhitz Mitzrayim, and until this point, it's been all miracles. Like every, everything that we've ever accomplished from Yitzhitz Mitzrayim until now has been mamish open miracles, and uh, nature has been mamish a joke. But Yeshua Benun felt that because of what happened with Achan, 
right now the Jewish people are not worthy of going in a way of open miracles. So this is the first time in Jewish history that we did, that we accomplished something as a nation, B'derech Eretz, in a way of, 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 of Heshtadlis. And this is what Yeshua Benun does in the city of Aachen. He sets up a way of attacking the city with strategy, something that we never had to do before. You just finished. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu holds out his staff and, and everything's taken care of. That's not the way it was going on over here. So what Yeshua Benun does is the following thing. He divides up the Jewish army into two parts. He has one section of the army secretly travel at nighttime under the, the, you know, the blanket of darkness to travel behind the city of Ai and to go behind the city and to just wait. Now, the city of Ai doesn't see that happening. They're coming in the back. And then in the morning, Yeshua Benun takes the, remainder, the remaining part of the, of the army and specifically the weaker, the, less, the smaller number part of the army to attack the city of Ai head on. And the plan was, and this is what happened, that the city of Ai, after succeeding in defeating the Jewish people the first time, are going to be overconfident. And they'll see this attack of even of a very small number coming towards them. They'll go with confidence to greet them, you know, to go out of the city. In the meantime, uh, basic strategy. In the meantime, the army in the back will attack from the rear, and they'll surround the city, and they'll be able to take care of it. Okay, and so that's that was the plan, and kachava. But even though it, it happened like that, but you'll, but we'll see in a second. This is what we're going to be focusing on for today, and maybe for a couple more times, is that there was a little bit of a miracle that took place in that process. What happened was the following thing: Yeshua Benun sends the sunrise comes, the smaller army in the front of the city goes and attacks uh, in a clear way head on. The city of Ai are overly confident. But what's amazing is, they don't just send out their army. Every able-bodied male of the entire city of Ai empties out of the city. And the only people remaining behind in the city are women and children. Like, n- there are no adults left in this. All adult males are left. And it, even, even farmers and so on. Like, everyone just goes out to fight the Jewish people. Which is something that's a little bit abnormal. That's not a normal thing. It's a little bit of a miraculous thing. And the truth is, there is obviously miracles going on over here. <clears throat> During this entire process, the Pasuk says that, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu, all the miracles that he performed, many of them was with a staff, right? The Mata of Moshe. <clears throat> over here, Yeshuvanan also did something like that. As the army is attacking the, the city of Ai head-on, and the city of Ai are being emptied out, you know, to come to, uh, you know, to attack the Jewish people, Yeshuvanan is standing there with a spear. And he doesn't move from his spot. The spear is being stretched out, and he keeps like that until the entire battle is over. So there's something, there's something going on over here. There's not the uh, stamazach. So anyway, so the city of Ai empties out all of its male inhabitants, come out to the city, just completely empties themselves out. Meanwhile, as they're attacking the army in the front, the army in the front again, uh, they, they they they're doing this as as a as a as a ploy. They begin to retreat to even pull them further away. Right, the city of I further, the citizens of I further away, and so then Yeshuvan gives the the signal, whatever it is, and the people in the back, the other half of the army in the back, begin to begin to attack from from the rear, and then all of a sudden the people of I see that they're now beginning to be surrounded, and uh, the rest is history. We conquer the city of I. That's the way that we conquer the city. Okay, so as I said, <clears throat> there's a number of points to talk about over here, <clears throat> but again, the significance of this being the first time in really all of Jewish history, that the Kal Yisrael did something 
in a way of derech eretz, in a way of ishtadlis, like in, in using strategy and derech, you know, in, in this type of thing. We had meraglim, so for example, we sent meraglim before, but even that, there's a few individual people. We're talking about the Jewish people as a whole going to war and conquering something and accomplishing something in a way of derech eretz. This is something. This is something new. This is the first time it happened. And so, specifically, huh? Well, I mean, Yeshua Nun felt it as a negative because of the sin of Ach, and he felt we didn't have the strength to do uh, open miracles, you know, to go in a way of open miracles. But we'll see, it is, it is laying the foundation for, you know, for Hishtadlis that, that we know. So we're going to talk about that. Huh? The Holy Nerds Yisrael is, is, is Derchatev, right? right. <clears throat> but let's focus on one particular Nakuda. That the way, the way the Hishtadlis, the way, the way that they were able to conquer the city and to be successful was in this way where all the men of Ai, the entire city emptied out. Where they saw an opportunity to, defeat, to, to fight the Jewish people and to defeat us. And they just like, everyone came out of the city. Now that's an abnormal thing, as I mentioned. Like, okay, it's one thing you want to send your army out to, to attack and you're con- over, overconfident maybe, but every single male, uh, able-bodied adult uh, empties out of the city. So, so it must be that that, was, that itself was a little bit of a miracle that I had that Mishagas, that they're going to send out all their males into, into battle like that. But it must be Bashkach Pratis. There's got to be something about this Indian of I just emptying itself out that must be related to the, the whole Indian of Derech Eretz, of Ishtadlis and so on. So this is what we're going we're gonna to see. Okay, so now... What you can have, what you have in front of you, the Marmakov said you have in front of you. We're going to learn today, and it's probably going to take us to next week as well. Is a Torah. It's a very, very important Indian. <coughs> it's a very important Indian that we find. Is there? Is there someone? Is there someone back there? It's just a record. An important Indian that we find in the writings of Vishbitz, and it's also related to the writings of the Leshem. So we're going to see that those. That's not uh, you know, the shidduch between Ishbitz and Leshem is maybe not something that we initially think of. But Lamais, it's uh, you know, there's a very there's a very strong connection there. So let's begin like this. What we're gonna we're gonna learn today is how how an Ishbitza, how how the Ishbitz are touched and how they perceive this Indian of what we call Derech Eretz. Again, everyone knows this famous statement of Derech Eretz Kadim Latayra, right? Derech Eretz Kadim Latayra. So there's two separate things. There's Derech Eretz and then there's Tyra. How do we translate that? Okay, so usually we think of Derech Eretz means uh, raise your hand in class, you know? So we have to understand Derech Eretz is much more of an expansive definition in Ishbitzah. So let's begin like this. We'll just jump right in. So Maramukha number one. So this is a piece from the Meish Shulayach in, in Parshas Nayach. Okay, so we'll, we'll see, you know, there's a, there's a Kabbalah that, that we have that if, if, if whatever you're learning, if it relates to the Parshas that you're living with, it's a simon that it's tarlishma. Remember, that's such a there's a kabbal like that. So this was not on purpose. I didn't work it out that uh, the, that the, the learning over here should be related to Noyach and Avram Avinu Lech Lech and Ve'era these parashiyos, but they are. So we'll see. So it begins like this. <coughs> In parashas Noyach, we know after the Mabel, so Noyach comes out of the teva, the chuli begins to populate the world again. So it says in pasuk like this: Vayoyim Hashem Aliboi. Hashem said to himself. Hashem said to himself. That's the, that's the Pasuk. And Hashem says, he, he says to himself, he says to his heart, I, I'm not going to curse the world anymore to destroy humanity. I'm not going to do this anymore. There's going to be a, that the whole world will become obliterated and so on. I'm not going to do that again. <coughs> now the Ishmael quotes that Pasuk, and the Ishmael raises the following question. The Pasuk says that Hashem said this to himself. 
He says it to himself. Now, it's one thing if it says Hashem said. If, Hashem, if it says in Pasuk, Vayomer Hashem, we assume that there was a Navi that heard it. But it's, it goes out of its way to say, Vayomer Hashem Eliboy, that Hashem said this to himself. So if Hashem is saying this to himself, presumably no one heard it. That's the point. Hashem said it to himself. The problem is, said the Yishritzer, that in the Pesukim, it seems to indicate that Noach heard this, that Noach chapped this. Because it says in Pasuk, Hashem says to himself, I'm not going to curse the world again, I'm not going to destroy the planet. And Noach brings a sacrifice in thanks to Hashem. Thanks to Hashem for what? For making this promise. But Hashem said the promise to himself. No one heard it. Again, it's one thing if it was just Vayomer Hashem, Hashem said. So you could assume Noach was a Navi, he heard it. But it says out of its way, Vayomer Hashem Elivoy. Hashem said to, to himself, I'm not going to do this again. So how did Noach find out? How did Noach uh, pick up on that? That's the question Israel says. So listen to what he says. Again, Vayomer Hashem Elivoy, Hashem said to himself, I'm no longer going to go and, and, and curse the world and destroy the world because of sins of humanity. I'm not going to let that, this happen again. Said the Yishritzer, Hine. Now we're going to see a few lines in the Yishritzer. We'll see where, where this takes us. Hine. Even though it's true, Taka, that Hashem said this to himself, and he didn't say this as a prophecy to any Navi, but Noach figured it out. Noach knew about how, what Hashem was thinking to himself. How? Because, said the Yishritzer, tell you outside, then we'll see it inside together. The Yishritzer says that a... a a very deep psychological transformation took place to humanity from before the Mabal to after the Mabal. Before the Mabal, the nature of the human being was to unleash all of one's kaiches, just to empty out your city of I, just to unleash everything. And this was the nature, this was the nature of a human being, this was the nature of reality before the Mabal, before the Mabal. <clears throat> this this, this, and, and there is a certain energy in the world of hispashtas, of expansiveness, of going all out, of letting all of your energy out and to be all in. This, right, to be roishavru, kulai, to be completely, completely, uh, to, to, when you're involved in something, to allow all your energy out. This is a kayach in the Bria. This is a kayach in the Bria. Now, and this is where we're going to find, is that that quality of hispashtas, of expansiveness, of just you know, emptying out yourself in whatever it is that you're doing, this sounds like a nice idea because it means you can accomplish a lot of stuff. You can accomplish great, great, great things. But this was exactly the problem with the world before the mouth. Because that, unle- that quality of being unleashed and being untethered, of being just a completely all the kaiches coming out, the problem is, is that that is something that when you have a Yetzirah, when you have, when you have uh, animalistic tendencies within you, which all human, which human beings do, just before the Mabal and after the Mabal, we all have Inyanim, that is a very, very dangerous quality. That's a very dangerous quality. Because the Yetzirah and, and that quality will, will, will sort of pick up on this, on this energy, on this desire of Unleashing, and what's going to happen is the unleashing of all of all of taivas and desires, and it'll it'll turn into what's called in the svarim a situation of toyevoy of chaos. What's chaos? Chaos is it's crazy, right? Uh, you know, as an example, let's you know if you had um, let's see, we have one, you have a door over here, the back of the room, right? So let's say I mean now there's like a relatively you know small amount of people, but let's say the whole room is packed, mamish packed. And then all of a sudden the doors open and everyone, everyone wants to leave. And everyone wants to leave 
now. Then go, what's going to happen? Utter chaos. Utter chaos. So there is, there is a quality in nature, and before the Mabal, this was the dominant quality, which is just, y- you want to leave, it means you're going to put all your kaychas into leaving, and everyone's going to do that. And every part of you is going to do that. That leads to absolute disorder, leads to chaos, leads to craziness, leads to unbelievable, unbridled temptation and taivas and genevas. All the craziness that we learned about before the Mabal, it was because there was, a, there was a, 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 a nature within the human being which is to unleash everything. To unleash everything. And said the, and said the Ishbitzer, that changed after the Mabal. That changed after the Mabal. So he said to the Ishbitzer, what does this mean that Hashem said to himself, I'm not going to destroy the world again? Why not? let's say humanity falls into, into the abyss like they did before the Mabal, then Hashem's going to say, listen, I really should, but what can I do? I, I told myself, I promise I'm not going to. What? So the Ishbitzer, the promise that Hashem made to himself that he's not going to destroy the world was not just he's holding himself back. That was establishing a new order in creation, a new mentality in human beings, which is that you have you have a leash within you. That there's something holding you back from unleashing all of your kashas. And this is a, na- this is a, na- a natural, a natural uh, 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 dam that's sort, of in, that's sort of being placed within the nefesh ha'adam. Not just that, this is not Jews, this is just humanity. That there's something, there's a dam that's, 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 that has been placed after the mabal to hold back all those rushing and gushing and intense waters that are residing within the nefesh. And that, this, this holding back, this gavul, this restraint, this, bo- the borders that every single one of us feel in terms of, you know, whether, whether it, it can manifest in, in, all, in all sorts of ways, but just the fact that we can't, we, there's something inside of us that doesn't allow us to unleash all of our kaychas at any single moment, that is a result of Hashem's oath after the Mahal. So said the Yishwet, sir. Noyach figured out that Hashem must have made this oath. You know why? Because he sensed within himself after he left the Teva more inner restraint. He felt within himself a change. Because again, if you think about it, Noyach is the one person, or his sons as well, that can sort of compare and contrast psycho- psychologically what a human being was before the Mabal and after the Mabal. And Noyach before the Mabal, he was a tzaddik, and he worked extremely hard to hold himself back, but the nature that Noyach lived with was the nature that everyone else lived with before them, which was expansiveness, just to go and to do and to accomplish without having any mechitz, without having any borders within yourself, without any, having anything holding you back, just like the people of Ai, just to empty out the city completely. And Noyach himself, after the Mabal, feels as he leaves the Teva, and he's being charged with the mission of populate, go, do, 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 rebuild, and all of a sudden, he feels himself that as he's going to do, there's something holding him back from not doing everything right away. There's something holding him back. And what is that? Noach deduces, oh, that it must be that the Rabbani Shalom has now implanted this, 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 these boundaries within the nefesh, within the soul, to make sure that it doesn't go crazy, that humanity doesn't go crazy like it was in the Mabal. So Hashem promises to Himself He's not going to destroy the world, meaning He therefore implants within the human being these sense of borders, these sense of boundaries. Nayach feels that. Nayach therefore figures out the Rabbanu Shalom must have made such an oath and He thanks Hashem by sending a sacrifice. That's the Israel So again, we'll see it inside. Again, This oath that the Rabbanu Shalom made was known to Nayach. How? If Hashem said it to Himself, how does Noach know about it? Because since Noach feels within Himself this intense sense of fear, Yira in the Israel doesn't mean fear like 
like in other places. Fear by the Yishmitzer means restraint. It means something holding you back from just uh, unleashing all of your energies. A yira. And Noyach felt that, and it's the first time he felt that, innately. And he felt that after the Mabu, and all of a sudden it felt unhealthy to Noyach, to do everything you want. In other words, it, it's, it's one, before the Mabu, there was the, the concept of a person waking up in the morning and, just wa- and doing everything he wants to do felt completely healthy and normal. post Mabu, even if you want to do that, but you know it's not healthy. You know it's not healthy. Even if there's a tithe in your head to do something crazy, but yeah. You know it's not, like, you know it's not healthy. Person, in, in the morning, it, 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 you know that you have to get dressed. You can't just go outside, uh, you know, if you might, like, like streaking in the streets. That's not normal. And, and I, let yourself free, you know, go. That's, that's a not normal thing. It's not normal, and it's not unhealthy. Before the marble, there was no there was such feeling. There was no such feeling. Before the marble, this is why, go, finished. All the kaychas unleashed. After the marble, all of a sudden, Noyach looks at the same scenario and says, no, that's, that's unhealthy. And Noyach thinks to himself, well, where'd that come from? I understand that I, should, I shouldn't do that because it's inappropriate, but, why, but what, what happened all of a sudden in my psychology that it doesn't feel healthy? Says Noyach, that's because of that, huh? It's like inhibitions? Inhibitions. Moral inhibitions. Physical inhibitions. Even physically. Even physically, one of the basic differences between, I mean, there's a lot of differences between a, man, a human being and an animal, but, like, one of the basic differences is even, even, like, in our muscle, in our muscles, is that, like, a squirrel is a little tiny thing, but, but you don't want to be attacked by a squirrel, right? Why? Because squirrels are all in. Like, you know, every single ounce of that, of that little, little, little creature is going to be attacking you. Even with people... When, when, God forbid, people fight with each other, they're not, there's still something holding them back. Athletes, boxers, and, and you know, more, vi- football, more, the more violent sports, part of their training is to sort of try to get back to pre-mobile. Not necessarily, it's a, not, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but they, part of the training is to, un- to allow themselves to unleash all of their kaychas. And that's not, a, that's not a simple, that itself takes training. Again, obviously you have some people that, uh, they're po- obviously we're all post-mobile, they're, they have shirayim, <laughs> There's some people that have a little bit of shirayim of pre-mabal. But, but there is such a thing that it takes effort on a human being's part to allow themselves to unleash, to have inhibitions in terms of, uh, you know, uh, emotional inhibitions, physical It's an avayda. It's an avayda to do that. I'm, again, I'm, not, I'm using the word avayda, not to say it's a good avayda, but, but it's an avayda to do that, right? So, and said the Ishmael, that's a result of, of the mabal. That was a result of the mabal. So he says, that Noach felt in, intuitively and, 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 and instinctively that all of a sudden it's unhealthy to allow all the kaychas to be released. And he, and he feels this compulsion to hold himself in, to rein himself in. And this, he deduced, it must be this is God's will, that the Rebunshim doesn't want to destroy the world. And so to make sure that it doesn't descend into such chaos, he created in the human being these boundaries. Okay. Fine. Now, yeah. He was a golden tzaddik, but it was it wasn't natural. It wasn't natural. hundred percent. The definition of tzaddik means to hold oneself in, but it wasn't a natural thing in the human being. He forced himself. He forced himself. But it wasn't a natural instinct. That's the point. It wasn't a natural instinct. Now, 
a little bit parentheses over here. The Ishmael makes this point, and it's very, very nice. But, but he, here, here there's, there's a small issue with the Ishmael's Cheshvan, and we'll see how his son, the Beis Yaakov, deals with it. And uh, really, it's a little bit in parentheses, but it's just a Gaval de Gazach. And we'll see maybe next week how it ties in. Remember, was it, was it the Yitzhar <coughs> that, like, almost in the later generations, what had Yitzhar for idols? So the nature of the Yitzhar Hara versus the Yitzhar Taiv, we're going to see about this, is certainly more inclined to this all-in mentality. Like, for example, the, it says in Pesach, Hashem created the world, and after the, by the sixth day, Hashem sees the world, and He says, Taiv Moed. Well, it's very good. So the Gemara says, what does it mean, Ma'id? What's the very good of the world? It's the So the Yitzhahara is this, is certainly, of the two sides of who we are, Yitzhah versus Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara is certainly going to be more inclined to pick up and to harness that pre-Mabal nature of just allowing, going all in. And that's what happened before the Mabal. That's what before the Mabal. So even now, because we have that Here's the point. Now, since we have a Yitzhahara, which is, which, which, which sort of wants to be unleashed, if we allow, if, if those bar, borders would be removed, then the Yitzhahara would be the first one at the door. You know, he would be the first one there. So, because of that, so the borders are in place. Now, we're going to speak more, more in depth about it soon, as a show. So, it's like this. Huh? So that's also right, exactly, exactly. So him, him, him planting a vineyard and getting drunk and so on, creating that inhibition, that's exactly what the opposite of what he's supposed to be doing right now, exactly. Yeah. Maybe when he's depressed, he didn't have that, he didn't have that sickness yeah. to hold back anymore. He'd be, oh, Maybe, I hear, I hear, okay. It's possible, yeah, it's possible. It's, again, this, you have to understand, like, Noyach, again, he wasn't just a survivor of, of the Mabal. He, he himself had to go through a complete psychological change that the Rebbe was doing, and that, that's... Uh, that, that's, you know, that, that requires a lot of therapy. There was no therapist over there, you know, so like it, it is an avoid. It's not, it's not simple how Neuch to survive that. It was not a Pasha Zach. But here's the, here's the issue. Here's the problem. Or Ha'ara. In the Psukim, the, 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 the actual Pasuk that the Ishmael is quoting, the way the Ishmael presented it, the Pasuk would read as follows, that Hashem says to himself, he's not going to destroy the world. And Noyach, again, picks up on this because he feels within himself some boundaries and he brings a sacrifice to thank Hashem. What's interesting is, is that in the Pasuk, it's the reverse order. The Pasuk actually says that Noyach brings a sacrifice. And Hashem says, he, Hashem, so to speak, accepts the sacrifice and says, I'm not going to destroy the world. So the Israel is just presenting it as if the sacrifice that Noyach offered is a thanks, an acknowledgement of, that, of the boundaries that Rabbi Shalom set when he said, I'm not going to destroy the world. But in the actual Pasuk, it's the opposite. The carbon comes first, before Hashem even said that. So what's going on? So this is an amazing thing. Take a look at Maramakim number two. Again, this is the Beis Yaakov in Parshas Noyach, Peace, Lama, Gimel. Va'av Sheba Pashtas in Yenimar. He quotes his father. He quotes his father's Vart. And he raises the issue that in the order of Pesukim, it's the opposite. The Ishmael is, is presenting it as if Hashem first made that decision. And Noyach hears that decision and offers a sacrifice. But again, in the Pesukim, it's the opposite. Hashem, Noyach first brings the sacrifice, and then the Rabbani Shalom makes this decision. So, so it says like this, Even though when you read the Pesukim, simply, it'll indicate, 
Lefi das adam, according to the way we think. That because Nayak brought a sacrifice, and the Rabbanu Shalom smells the sacrifice and accepts it, because of that the Rabbanu Shalom promises he's not going to create, destroy the world, the truth is, it's the opposite. Because the Rabbanu Shalom wanted made this promise within himself not to destroy the world. That's where Noach got the idea of bringing a carbon. This is true with everything, any, any new ideas, any innovation, any chiddush uh, that a person comes up with. On the outset, it might look like you came up with the idea and the Rabbani Shalom says, well, that's amazing, that's I appreciate that. You had an idea of making a carbon, and the Shem says, well, it's an amazing thing, I accept, it's Kavaldik, you know what? And because of that, I'm not, I'm not going to destroy the world again. But the truth is, it's always Fakir. Everything always starts from above. It's really the Rabbani Shalom that has the idea, and you down here, without hearing it, you all of a sudden have this Chiddush within you, and you're like, where did I come up with that? You want to come up with it? Because the Rabbani Shalom started it. And then all of a sudden, you pick up on that subtle hint, subcon- subconsciously, subconsciously, and then you come up with this idea and consciously you think it's your idea. But really, you're just reacting to something that happened in Shemayim. So he says like this, This is true with all chedushim that, that, that a human being comes up with. The beginning of it in its root, always starts from above. When the Rabbani Shalom begins to build a structure of good for your life, when the Rabbani Shalom begins slowly but surely to build the parnas in your life, all of a sudden down here, you're motivated to go to work. And you think to yourself, and then the Rabbani Shalom gives you parnasa, right? So you think, why did Hashem give me parnasa? Because I worked hard. It's true. But why do you work hard? Because the Rabbani Shalom was beginning to give you your parnasa. So you didn't know that. And it's sort of, and, and, on, and down here, planet Earth, it felt like you were just doing everything on your own. But the truth is, you were just reacting to what Hashem Yisbarach began. Why, 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 why did I begin working so hard now? Why not yesterday? Because yesterday, the Rebbe wasn't building your Parnassah yet. He began to build it today. Not in an open way, not in a way that you know about it, but in a way that you sense subconsciously. And because of that, you are now inspired to do something, to do more effort. And then, you know what happens? The amazing thing is, the Rebbe gives you the credit. He gives you the credit. He says, no, it wasn't me. It was, it was just you. It was just you. So the Pesukim are, are the Rabbani Shalom writing the story, giving us the credit. Noyach, you brought a carbon, it's Kevaldik, and because of that, I'm not going to destroy the world. Really, the Ishritz is revealing to us behind the scenes. What really began Noyach's, Noyach's uh, motivation to even bring the carbon is because the Rabbani Shalom already planned on not destroying the world and meaning to plant these borders. Let's understand. The ending of the carbon that Noach is offering, and this is, and this is going to be, this is the important point over here. When we talk about this level of restraint, it doesn't just mean that we're not, uh, I don't know, I said it, you know, it's not so nice, but we're not, we're not streaking in the streets, right? We're not doing that. That's a level of restraint, masking. But let's understand, at a deeper level, and we're now we're going we're gonna to see this in the Israelites as well, all of Yiddishkeit that we, that we have post mabel is a Yiddishkeit that's rooted in boundaries, that's revolving around restraint. That's what every mitzvah is. Every mitzvah is telling you, either it's telling you not to do something, which is all about restraint, or it's telling you to do something with, 
in a specific time, in a specific way, with specific rules and regulations. Every, all of Yiddishkeit is, there's one word that defines everything about Yiddishkeit in terms of our experience, which is gvul. Boundaries, borders, gvul. Even there, you know, it says in Chazal that the, two, the first two commandments, Anoichi, right? I am Hashem your God, and you shall not have any other gods. Mipi ha-gvura shamanum. It says that Hashem said it himself, right? Everything else, Moshe Rabbeinu translated first. Those two first, we heard it himself from Hashem. But how is Hashem described as the giver of the Torah? Mipi ha-gvura. The mouth of gvura. What does gvura mean? Restraint. It means the entire definition of Torah that we experience the Torah of this world is what? A Torah of restraint. The Tachlis is to be a Tzaddik, like you mentioned. Tzaddik means, Ezo Gibar, HaKoyvesh is Yisrael. Tzaddik means, like Yisrael Tzaddik, right? To hold himself back. To hold the, the restraint. So not only, let's understand, not only is these restraints, these gvum, these boundaries, these uh, dams, these leashes, that the Rabbanu Shalom implanted in human, be- human beings psychologically, that we don't feel normal and healthy to unleash all of our Koyches in any which way, but the avoid of the human being, post mabul is an avoid of restraint. It's all about restraint. And our way, let's put it this way, in the world that we live in right now, post mabul the way that we relate to God, the way we find the Rabbi Nishtalim is by living within these boundaries, within these gvulim. If a person tries to find elokus outside of these boundaries, it's impossible. You're not going to. You have to find the Rabbi Nishtalim in these gvulim. When Noyach sacrificed, let's understand, a carbon means avoida. A carbon, when Noyach brought that carbon to Hashem, that was, that, that was, the, the, that was a commitment on Noyach's part, on behalf of all humanity and the Jewish people that, that come from Noyach eventually, is that this is how we are going to serve you. That our avoida is going to be oriented in this way of derech eretz, of holding oneself in, of restraint. We're not going to allow ourselves to to fall back into the chaos of pre mabul of just like unleashing all our and this is the way we're going to find you. The way we're going to find you, Rabbi Nishalm, is in this, in this process, in, these, in this way of gvulim. So, I'll give you an example. Take a look at Maramukah number three. This is uh, from the Sefer, again, the Beis Yaakov, also in Parshas Nayach. And he's also going on this Pasuk, and that same that same Pasuk where, where, where the Rabbanu Shalom makes this promise that he's not going to destroy the world. And the Pasuk continues. Hashem says, I'm not going to destroy the world. And Hashem says, Oid kol The world is going to keep on going. Zera, v'katsir, v'chaim, v'kayetz, v'chayrif, v'yayim, v'layla. There's always going to be the planting season and the harvest season. Summer, uh, you know, uh, winter and summer and day and night and v'chul. All the seasons, all the, it's all going to keep on going. So, it will not end. It will not rest. It's always going to keep... The world, the world will continue. Now, in this, in this Pasuk that Hashem is describing how things always continue on, there is an abundance of the letter Vav. The letter Vav is like always there, right? Zera, Vikatzer, Vichayim, Vikayetz, Vichayr, Vichayim, Vilayla. Six Vavs. Six Vavs. Layish Baisu. Nichlal Bekulam Vav HaChibor. The letter Vav is contained in all, these, in all these descriptions of how the world will endure. Lahiris. Because this Pasuk is describing to us, being hinting to you, what allows the world to be sustained. What allows the world to be sustained, the tikkun, the, 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 the harmony and the continuity that this oath is bringing to the world. <coughs> and the world is now at a stage, post-mabal, 
because of this oath that we're in a healthier place, a more sustainable place, that the world of, of rectification as opposed to chaos, which was before the Mabel, Tikkun is now able to be experienced. And this is what, so what was that? This is what, and the major change is now there are boundaries. Now there are boundaries. There are boundaries in seasons. There's even a Chazal that says that before the Mabel, there was no seasons. Everything was just like it was just California, the whole planet. It was just, it's nice, but it's chaos, yeah? So that's, uh, it's the, you have all seasons like that. It has, there has to be gvulim, there have to be boundaries. There has to be day and night and summer and, summer and winter and warm and cold. And, and so if you think about it, when it's the summertime, the summer can be saying, what do you mean, gever. I want to expand over all 365 days. And the winter says, well, no, no, no. I want to expand over all 365 days. And the day says, well, no, I want, to ex- I want to be 24 hours. And darkness says, I want to be 24 hours. And they're all fighting for everything. And what happens? Chaos. But now the Rabbani Shalom sets up that oath. And it's an oath within the person. And it's an oath within nature. That no, there's days, there's nights, there's summer, there's winter, there's gvulim, there's restraint. And this restraint allows harmony. It allows harmony. It allows the summer to give space for the winter and winter to give space for the summer. And all of a sudden, putting them together, now you have a normal calendar. And things are harmonious now. And this is what's being described over here in the Pasuk, that you want vavach, you want the vav, the letter vav, which means continuity, and things to be functional, healthy, so there has to, then everything has to have its space. It has its space. People have to have their own inner space to restrain yourself and acknowledge that, well, you know what, maybe if I do everything I want, Maybe I'm going to make this guy uncomfortable. That's also a thought, right? It's a, it's a boundary. I have to acknowledge this person's existence. And if I acknowledge his existence, it means I have to hold myself back. And he has to hold himself back to, to, to give space for me. And because everyone is holding themselves in, <coughs> so now you have people that could function. You have a society. That's the Vavachiba. Now, the Ishbitzer goes on to say, we'll speak about this a little bit more next week, is that this, again, as I said, this is not only true psychologically, this is not only true in nature in terms of seasons and so on, and again, as I said, this is in, this is in our Avaidah Sashem. Our Avaidah is an Avaidah which is based on Gvulim, boundaries. Pesach is Pesach, Sukkot is Sukkot, right? And there are 630 mitzvahs, and as the Pasuk says, if you can't add to the mitzvahs, you can't take away. There's a boundary to them. They are what they are. And it's in that space of Gvul, <coughs> that we're able to relate to the Vanish <coughs> This is exactly, by the way, let's go back to the, to the city of Ai, just a, a little bit back to Sefer Yeshua before we continue on just for a few more minutes. <coughs> you see in the city of Ai, the first time, as I mentioned before, this is the first time the Jewish people are doing something, B'derech Eretz. They're doing something in a way, in, in a way that's, that's, that's earthly, in a way that's, that's not uh, miraculous. B'derech Atava, with Ishtadlis. And you see that the way it happened is, is that they overtook the city of Ai because of a mistake that the city of Ai did. What was the mistake that they made? They allowed all of their citizens out. All of their citizens out. This is a simon, this tells us, what the Rabbani Shalom is telling us, what the Navi is telling us is, is that you want to live with their Eretz. You want to be able to live in this world functionally and healthfully? <clears throat> then you have to make sure, don't make the same mistake as the city of Ai. Don't allow yourself to break down all those gvulim. Understand that in the universe of gvulim, of boundaries, that's where you will find yish of ha'olam. 
That's where you'll be able to survive. That's where you'll be able to thrive. That's where you'll find the Rabbanishlam. In that place of Gevulim. The letter Vav. This is why the Ishmael says, the second Luchas. The second Luchas, one of the differences between the first Luchas and the second Luchas is as follows. There's a number of small differences. <coughs> but one of the big differences is, you know the list, that, uh, when you get to like number five and so on, number six and so on, it's like, Loisirtzach, Loisinaf, right, Loisignoiv, Loisanabriacha, Eit Shakar. That's all the first Luchas. In the second Luchas, it's Loisirtzach, Viloisinaf, Viloisana, Viloisignoiv, Viloisana, Briacha, Eit Shakar. All of a sudden, in the second Luchas, is an additional Vav. The Zara Kodesh says, you know why? The first Luchas didn't make it. The first Luchas didn't make it. They became broken. They became broken. The second Luchas made it. Why? Because they had the Vav. And the Vav means... The, the Vav means that I acknowledge there's place for the, for the other command. You understand? Vav means... The letter Vav means... It means I acknowledge what came before me. And I'm just adding to that. I'm not trying to overtake it. Loisirt and others. The first luchas, it's like Loisirtzach says, all there is is Loisirtzach. And then Loisirtzach says, well, what do you mean? No, 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 all there is is Loisirtzach. And they're all fighting for everything. They're fighting for, for the entirety of everything. That's pre mabul That's pre mabul that, that results in chaos. But all of a sudden, when you have the second luchas, Loisirtzach says, okay, Loisirtzach. And then Loisirtzach says, I, I acknowledge your space, but I'm just adding Loisirtzach. And Loisirtzach says, for that. And then Loisana Briacha Shav says, okay, I acknowledge all of your spaces, I'm just adding another Nikud. Everything is, everything is holding themselves in, allowing space for something else. Loisirtzach is not trying to take everything over. Loisinov is not trying to take everything over. Everything is having its own space. The second Luchais <coughs> are the Luchais that made its way to our possession. They didn't break halfway down, right? Because what, what the second Luchais mean is an Avaida of Derech Eretz. Again, what does Derech Eretz mean? Let's start again. What does Derech Eretz mean? Raise your hand in class. What's the premise of that? Right? It means order. It means you can't, just, you can't just call out. You have to raise your hand, right? Why? Because there's other kids in the class. And there's the, you understand? Derech Eretz doesn't just mean... Derech Eretz means to, rate, to have these gvulim. That's what Derech Eretz means. That's what Derech Eretz means. And therefore, Derech Eretz, again, in Chazal, Derech Eretz is a word that means to function in a normal, healthy way in society. That's what Derech Eretz means. It doesn't just mean to raise your hand in class. And again, as I said, what was the first experience of Derech Eretz that Jewish people ever had to do? Conquering the city of Ai. And what do you see in the conquest of Ai that allowed Ai to, that made Ai fall apart and the Jewish people be successful is that Ai fell into this mistake of not living with Derech Eretz, of allowing all of their kaychas out. That itself was their own destruction. And so this is, coming, this is revealing to us the essential point of what it takes to live B'darach Eretz, to live in this world in a functional way, and to serve the Rabbani Shalom in this way of the second Luchas, which is restraint. Restraint. Giving space for other things, for other people, giving, giving space for other parts of yourself. Not to allow yourself to be in this uh, state of chaos. That's Darach Eretz. <coughs> I'll have to get to maybe next week. Why Dafkai? Because we have to build on it a little bit more. But here. Say it again. So they, so they, so animals also, animals also. I mean, that's what Chazal say that that the animals that weren't on the teva were specifically the ones that didn't have any mating with any other species, right? What's that idea of mating with another species? It's also no restraint. There's no derech eretz. Derech eretz means you're a horse. You stick with horses. 
right? But if there's no derech eretz, then an afkamina, a horse and a cow is an afkamina. Those animals were not chosen. It's funny, we know from the little kids, we know this, right? But again, it's one of those things we have to like mature out of the way we think of it as a kid. So we think of it as a kid, like Hashem said, oh, that's a bad horse. That's a bad horse. That horse that mated with a cow, that's a bad horse. I'm not going to let that be the, the zaydi of all future horses. But that horse that stuck with its mate as a horse, a cult, I think that's the name of a female horse. So that, that's going to be the zaydi of all horses. It's a bad horse, good horse, enough community. Derek Heretz. The Rabbanishim is trying to establish a way of living, both physically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually, that now the Rabbanishim is going to be found in Gvulim. That the only way to find the Rabbanishim is going to be with the second Luchas, not the first Luchas, with restraint and Gvulim and order and specific details, details, Pratim of Yiddishkeit. That's where you're going to find the Rabbanishim. The sacrifice that Noyach offers thanking Hashem for these borders and committing his life and the future lives of, of his people that we are going to serve you in that construct of borders. Why? Okay, okay. Transition. Okay, like, like I said, this is very, very good. Very good question. Very good. It sounds like it's just all like a mistake or something. Right, so okay, we're going to get there. Like I said, it's going to take more than just one, uh, one week. We're going to get there. But one, one Nakuda just to open up that discussion. Derech Eretz, everything we're talking about. So it means that Derech Eretz is Gavaldic, right? But don't Chazal say Derech Eretz Kadma Latayra? Second. The way we've been describing Derech Eretz is that this is the basic nature, not only in civilizations functioning, but this is how we serve the Rabbanishon with Gvulim, the second Luchas, right? Second Luchas is Tayra, right? <coughs> There's borders, boundaries. If you have uh, seven strings on your tzitzis, you're not yaitzeh. Davke eight. A mikveh has to be 40 saw, not a, not a little bit less. Gvulim, boundaries. And this is all what's described as derech eretz. Derech means raise your hand. It means gvulim, boundaries. What do you mean derech eretz? Kod That is tyre. This is how tyre functions. Evidently, from this sentence of derech eretz, kod what we're being introduced to, and we're going to see the beginning of this now, but next week we'll see more, is that all of this the version of Yiddishkeit that we have, second lucha is boundaries, gvulim, don't let all the citizens of Ai empty out of the city. It's all gavaldic, but it's not the tachlis. It's not the tachlis. This is not Torah in its purest form. The Torah that we have is a Torah that we need to allow us to deal with all the demons inside of us. Because, like, you know, as, uh, as Ezra pointed out, if we don't have these borders, the first one that's going to be signing... The, you know, that's going to be volunteering for borderlessness is going to be the Yitzhahara, right? So now that we have the Yitzhahara and we have chaos, we have all these inyanim inside of us, we desperately need a Torah that, that is a derech eretz dika Torah. That's not in its truest form what Torah is. What Torah in its truest form is a, a system that allows us to unleash all of our kachas. But we're going to see about this, that in order to be zaycha to Torah, you have to prove yourself, you have to go through Derech Eretz. And so Derech Eretz doesn't just mean you have to be a mensch, you have to be, you know, tuck yourself in before you sit down to learn. It means that you have to establish within yourself a, a very strong commitment that the God that you're looking for is a God that's going to be found in borders. And then the Rebbe allows you entrance into that higher dimension of the first Luchais, which is without borders. We have to see what that means and how to do that. Yeah. <coughs> So Nasvanish is related to that. We said that as a response to the first Luchas. We wanted the first Nasvanish means that we'll do. And then we'll hear. Hearing means already hearing, 
you can't hear two things at the same time. right? So hearing means means restraint. Nasa vinish means we want the first luchos. Right, right. So we're going to have to see what that means. But just to introduce this, take a look at the final marmuk and the four. There's <coughs> a piece in Meishilach again, also in Parshas Noach, and we're going to see now we're transitioning from Noach to Avram. Take a look at this. Pirish Rashi. It's famous, at the end of Parshas Noach, it says that Avram Avinu, again, Avram Avinu was born and raised in Ur Kazdim, right? He moves with Terach and his family to Charan. It says in Pasuk, Terach dies in Charan. And then our Parshas Lechacha picks up, Hashem says to Avram Avinu, go from Charan, go to Eretz Yisrael. And Terach is already, uh, you know, he passed away in Charan. Rashi makes a cheshman to prove that that's not true. Terach did not die in Charan. Terach lived uh, for another 60 years. And Terach probably went with Avram Avinu to Eretz Yisrael. So what does it mean that Terach died in, died in Charan? He could, I'm saying he could have gone to Eretz Yisrael with him. The answer is, <coughs> Rashi says, what Hashem is sending to Avram Avinu is that from this point on, now I'm saying Lech Lecha, you are officially exempt in Kibbut Aveim. As far as you're concerned, halachically, Vayom Es Terach Bechar. Now, why? <coughs> I understand that maybe Avram Avinu has to be able to do Avram Avinu and Yonim, and he can't uh, be restrained by his father's inyanim. But what's the pnimis of this sitting that Avram Avinu is being pottered from Kibra Vayim? Listen to what the says. It's Mar de Gazach. Pirish Rashi. Shalayoimur Habrias Laikayim Avram Avinu Kibra Vayim. That we, want, we don't want people to accuse Avram Avinu of not honoring his father. And we don't hear from Terach anymore, even though he lived for the next 60 years. These of the measures, the Chazal say, Amr Gazbrukh Avram Avinu. Hashem says to Avram Avinu, You're the one only person on planet Earth that's ever been such a thing. You are a putter from Kibravim. Why? There's a covenant that Rabban Shalom made with Noyach in Parshish Noyach, right? He comes out of the Teva, the, the oath that Hashem makes, the rainbow of Achulu. By the way, that's also what a rainbow is. What's a rainbow? Every color is beautiful, has its space. That's what, that's what it is. That's what, color, that's what a rainbow is. And the rainbow emerges, the Pasuk says, describing the rainbow, it emerges out of a cloud, right? <coughs> the rainbow emerging out of a cloud. The Ishmael said once that the cloud represents fear and restraint, right? Because I'll say that Hashem made storm clouds and thunder and lightning to give you a little bit of uh, right? To say, you're not in charge. Hold, hold yourself back a little bit. The, the, the rainbow that's shining from the cloud is stable, healthy, beautiful civilization, beautiful voices Hashem that emerges out of restraint. This is the covenant that Hashem made with Noyach, the covenant of Derech Eretz. So it says like this, Ach, Kris' bris im Noyach, lo'yehoye b'derech shakaris im Avram Avinu. So Hashem makes a bris with Noyach, but Hashem also makes a bris with Avram. And that's a different type of bris. Ki im Noyach karis Hashem yisbrach gam kim bris k'derech Eretz. And again, this is the code word in Israel, it's from Derech Eretz always means restraint. It doesn't mean just uh, tucking yourself in. It means living a life and finding God through the world of restraint. That's the, that's the bris, that's the relationship of the Rabbanu Shalom with Noyach. <coughs> As we talked about this, after the fear and the boundaries that Noyach felt within himself after the Mabal, he accepts upon himself a divine service in, the, in that carbon represented by that carbon to serve the Rabbanu Shalom in that way of restraint. And the Rabbanu Shalom asked him to that. Or maybe as we saw, the Rabbanu Shalom began that. And, you know, but at least on the outside, Hashem asked him to Noach. So Hashem uh, agrees with that. And that's Avoidus Noach, Derech Eretz. He becomes the, the Ish Adama, 
That's Derech Eretz. Achadayin lo bolachal, the Torah, that's not Torah. That's not Torah. That's not Torah. That's Derech Eretz shekadim lo Torah. What is Torah? Torah in its purest form is expansiveness. It's an amazing thing. Think about Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu goes to Eretz Yisrael. What does Hashem say about, about Avram Avinu? He tells him, Lech Lecha, and Hashem says promises. And you're going to be skilled. You're going to have so much wealth. You're going to have so much children. You're going to have so much fame. Think Avram Avinu cares about that. Avram Avinu just wants to serve the Rabbanu Shalom. And if any, I, like I mentioned by Shal Shudas, the question last night is, if the Rabbanu Shalom, why is Hashem, why is Hashem telling Avram Avinu these things? Pashashat, like you shouldn't worry, right? Because when you travel... These things usually usually not famous. You usually don't make money. You usually don't have children. So Hashem is saying, like, the Nisayin will be too big. So Hashem is, like, lessening the Nisayin. But Hashem doesn't tell Avram Avinu where he's going. Why? To increase the Nisayin. Right? Hashem doesn't say, go to Eretz Yisrael, because then I, if I don't know where I'm going, maybe it's going to take three years, ten years, fifty, who knows? So is Hashem trying to increase the Nisayin or decrease the Nisayin? The answer is, he's, he's increasing the Nisayin by not telling Avram Avinu where he's going. So why is he giving him these brachas? Let's understand. Because this is establishing Avram Avinu's relation with the Rabbanishim, which is not Dayach Eretz anymore. Avram Avinu is establishing Torah in its purest form. What is Torah in its purest form? Expansiveness. To allow all of your kaychas out and to somehow in every single area of, the, of, the, of, that, of that effort of expansiveness to be dovak in elikus. This, this expansiveness is being represented by Avram Avinu having a lot of wealth and having a lot of children and a lot of fame. All of a sudden, like everything about Noach is holding in. He gets drunk, and that's the worst thing in the world, right? And all of a sudden, with Avram Avinu, everything is about many, many, many. He's wealthy. Why, why, why does Avram Avinu have to be wealthy? Why? Okay, I understand that Avram Avinu should be taken care of. Avram doesn't want him to be poor, I understand. But why does he have to be so wealthy? And there's such an asek with his wealth. And Yaakov Avinu, all the other sectoration. Yitzchak Avinu plants, uh, he becomes exceedingly wealthy agriculturally. Why do he have to be so rich? The answer is because the wealth of the Avasak Daishim is, is reflective of the Torah that the Rabbani Shalom wants them to bring into the world, which is a Torah that's beyond Derech a Torah of expansiveness, a Torah that allows the Jew to do everything you want, and in every single step of the way, you're Dovik and Elikus. Now, again, right now, we, we don't see how, this, how, that, how, the, how these two things go together, because like, Derech we understand, in the, when you have the Yetzirah, you need Derech so if I never ate Zara, I get it. You know, we'll have to figure out, again, we're just opening this sugi up and Bez Hashem next week we'll see more about it. But we're seeing already this difference. Nayach establishes connection with the Rabbani Shalom in the way of Derech Eretz. Avram Avinu establishes a connection with the Rabbani Shalom in the way of Torah. Pure Torah, which is first Luchais, Novav, everything just completely all out. Allowing all the citizens of Ai to be, to be let out of the city, but in a way that doesn't, that's not destructive, in the way of, uh, in, in, in Torah. So he says like this. Again, just to end off. Again, four lines before the end. Noach begins and establishes this mahalach that's called Derech That's not Torah yet. But the covenant that is with Avram Avinu, that's, that's called pure Divritar, which is expansiveness. And because of this, in Avram Avinu's journey to Eretz Yisrael, which is to establish the destination, the goal, which is expansiveness, and first Luchais, so what happens? He's pottered from Kibbutz Avayim. What does Kibbutz Avayim mean? Derech Eretz. Kibbutz Avayim means that you come into the world, and the, and, and, and the first person you meet is someone you have to respect. It's someone that you, you, who, who, you're not in charge. <laughs> Derech Eretz means that you give space. 
That's, that's what Derech Eretz means. And the one mitzvah, which is all about Derech Eretz, is Kibar Avein, right? As we know, everyone knows, right? Esav was uh, Gvaldik in Kibar Avein, right? Why? Because in that world of Derech Eretz, even Esav acknowledges, I chop, I chop, you, have to, you, you can't go crazy. I get it. That's the Derech Eretz, Kadmotar, I get it. So Kibar Avein represents that Indian, this Indian of restraint. Aram Avinu is being pottered from Derech Eretz. You're part from, from Kibbutz of the Aim because your Indian is to introduce the world to its final version, to its highest version of Tyre itself, which is complete expansiveness. Again, we still don't know what that means and what that looks like. That's Hashem next week, we'll see more. <coughs> and that's why you didn't have to fulfill the mitzvah of Kibbutz Tyra, because when you get to the highest madrig of Avram Avinu of expansiveness, of the first Luchais, then you no longer have to worry about these boundaries that are in place. When you are, you see, when you're in that space that there's a Yitzhara and there's a lot of inner demons and in Yanim, you definitely need those boundaries. But if a person's able to get to that place that's above those demons and above those, you know, that, those inner darkness, then you don't need those boundaries anymore and you can allow yourself to just go all in on a davening, on a vayda, on life without worrying about it being pulling you in all those places. And Avram Avinu is establishing the destination. He's telling us what Yiddishkeit is supposed to look like in its authentic, purest form, which is just expansiveness. Without worrying about, without, without needing to find God in constriction, rather finding God in expansiveness. Again, Bez Hashem, we'll see more about this soon. The Derech part of things takes care of itself. Without him having to think about it and to be conscious about it. And that's the transition from Noyach to Avram Avinu. And that's the difference between, that's, that's what Kali Yisrael is. We're here, obviously we have to function within Derech but we also have to remember there is this other, this is Tachlis, which is Torah, which is beyond, uh, beyond expansion as well. So again, Bez Hashem, next week what we're going to see is how these things go together, the relationship between the two of them, Derech Eretz, and uh, again, I'll get more clarity on this sugya. Just like I said, just to begin the sugya this week. Okay,